Alright, we are in our People, Places and Things series that we're doing this summer and uh, in that vein today, with it also being a holiday week, we're going to talk about uh, something. It's a thing today. We're going to talk about freedom. Uh, my text verse is out of Isaiah 61, in verses 1 to 3. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, as we read God's Word together. This is Isaiah, the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now that is not financially poor, that's spiritually poor. So that's all of us before Jesus. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Yeah. Praise God. They will be called, those people that come out of the darkness into this light, we will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Everyone say his splendor. His splendor. Not ours, it's for him, amen? My title of my message today is A Call to Freedom. We're gonna talk about freedom in Christ today. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, you're so good. We thank you, God, for us being able to come together like this. God, thank you for the freedom that we enjoy in this country to congregate, to come together, Lord, as a body, to hear your word, to worship together, to be encouraged. We are so, so blessed, God, and we thank you for this time. I pray during these next few minutes, Lord, that you would do the work in our hearts that only your spirit can do in us. Have your way. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Come, do your work among us, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So July 4th is front and center, right? Tomorrow's July 4th. Uh, there's been celebrating going on all week. Americans love to celebrate, uh, especially when there's fireworks involved. I've been hearing fireworks in my neighborhood since Tuesday. So I don't know who's celebrating June 30th, but whatever. Um, we love to celebrate as Americans, right? In fact, I read that um, uh, in America, we're gonna spend $2.5 billion on fireworks this season. It's a lot of money. And uh, we're also going to cook 700 million pounds of chicken. It really stinks to be a chicken, let me tell you. Uh, and you don't have a chance in life. Uh, 300 million pounds of red meat and pork, but 700 million pounds of chicken. Uh, it's a lot of chicken. And uh, you know, it's because we, we do love to celebrate. And um, we have a lot to celebrate as a country. There's a lot to be frustrated about, but there's a lot to celebrate too. We have a lot of freedoms that people all over the world don't get to experience like we do. And it's in this vein, as we celebrate the independence of this nation, I can't help but think about the independence and the freedom that we have in Jesus. And I don't mean to over-spiritualize July 4th. I know it is what it is. But you know, the reality is, I don't really know what it's like to live outside of freedom in a, in a country, in a society, because I've lived my whole life in the United States for the most part. So I don't really know what that's like outside of what we have, and so it's easy to take that for granted, right? In fact, they say that, that uh, patriotism in the United States is actually kind of eroding among these generations because so many of us have never experienced anything but what we have. So we don't have as much of an appreciation sometimes for the freedom that we have because we've never known anything but that. In fact, when you see people that have defected here from North Vietnam and Cuba and, and places, or, or North Korea, I'm sorry, and Vietnam and Cuba and places like that, and you, and you see that they've come out of that bondage, of that oppression that they've lived under, you see that they really love the freedoms they have when they come here to our country, or when they go to any country that's free, right? And we don't really experience that a whole lot. So I don't really know a whole lot about personal freedoms or the lack of personal freedoms, I guess I should say. But what I do know a lot about is the lack of spiritual freedom. I know about living in spiritual captivity. I know about living in spiritual bondage because I've dealt with it in my life, as many of you probably have too. I've dealt with the spirit of religion that locks us up and puts us in a straitjacket and causes us to recoil and keeps us in those chains that Jesus came to break for us. I know all about that. And so I get really passionate when I talk about that because I also know what it's like to be free because I'm more free today than I've ever been. And there is nothing in this world like freedom that Christ gives us. Right. Spiritual freedom is the greatest freedom you'll ever experience. As bad and oppressive as a government can be or a, a leadership can be over a people, 
There, it's nothing compared to the spiritual oppression that we can be under if we don't know the freedom that Jesus Christ brings us in our life. In fact, the good news is you go back to my text and it tells us very clearly that we were in spiritual bondage. Jesus came, in fact, in Luke 4, uh, I believe it is, uh, yes, Luke 4, Jesus stands up in the temple and reads this exact verse that I read to you in the temple. He had a scroll, he read Isaiah, he read that verse, he rolled it up, put it down, and he says, this is being fulfilled today in your presence. He's saying, I am the one that came to set the captives free. I am the one who came to bring the prisoners out of darkness, to take us from darkness to light, to give us the freedom that we were designed to have by our heavenly maker. And he says, you might have had to deal with all this other stuff back then, but he says, from now on, from now on it's different. And from that day forward, from the time, actually from the time Jesus died and rose again to today, we have the freedom that Jesus came to bring us at our disposal. It is for each and every one of us to walk in the spiritual freedom that Jesus came to give us. So as much as, as a, um, an oppressive society can be, and how much we should be thankful for the freedoms we have in this country, we should be all the more thankful for the freedoms we have in Jesus. Yes. And I'm so thankful for it. I am so thankful for it, to live in that freedom. When you, are, when you have been in spiritual bondage, and you find that spiritual freedom that Jesus came to give, and you become free, and I mean truly free, it's hard to not want to shout it from the rooftops because it's the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. And I came to help you with that today because it is not something that's for a select few. The freedom Christ came to give is not just for the pastors. It's not just for the, the people that have gone through seminary. It's not just for the senior citizens. It's not just for the people that know their Bible inside and out. It is for everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. We are called to be free in Christ. The thing is though, it's a bit of an enigma when we talk about freedom in Christ. Because it's a big phrase, it's a catchphrase. There's lots of great verses about freedom in Christ that you see in Galatians and Proverbs and Mark and Luke and Corinthians and Hebrews. You, talk, you have lots of places where there's really good bullet points for sermon material when it comes to freedom. Lots of great places for that. But to actually live it out and not just know it in our head, but to live it in our life can be somewhat difficult for Christians. It can be a challenge for us as people because it is, there's a practical truth as well as a spiritual truth to this. And sometimes those two things aren't on the same page. And it is, it is part of the calling that I believe God has put on my life to help set people free. I believe it with all my heart because free people can free people. And freedom doesn't mean that you never mess up. It doesn't mean you never make any mistakes, but it does mean that we understand that we are not held captive to those things in our life that would want to hold us captive. And in our society today, it's even more difficult probably than it was hundreds of years ago or even 50 years ago, because in our society today, as we all know, truth is relative, right? We hear it all the time. Truth's relative. What's true for you is not necessarily true for me. I, my truth, I want you to know my truth. Well, there's not really a your truth and a my truth, there's the truth. But nevertheless, in our society, there is this relative, truth can be a relative term, and it even has crept into the church, and it's even crept into what we think about freedom when we think about freedom in Christ. Because some of us may think, well, I don't need freedom in certain areas. That's not necessarily for me. Someone might say, well, you know, you want, you want to be set free from the financial bondage you find yourself in, right? Where you're always in debt, over your head, you can't get ahead, and you're, you're buying stuff you spend every dime you make on yourself and everything, and you might want freedom from that, but I actually like that. I, I work hard and I earn my money, so I want to spend it on myself. And if I want to take out some credit cards or buy a car that I can't afford, that's, that's me. If I want to do that, I can. So I don't need that freedom, that's something for you. Or if I was to say, you know, I, I want to be free from, from lust, you know, I want to be free from, from giving into my, my sexual desires in my life, right, that I know are apart from God's will, somebody else might say, well, that's fine for you, but you know, I think sleeping with my girlfriend actually tells her that I love. That's what I do to show my love. So I don't need to be set free from that. And we make truth, even we make even freedom relative in our life. Oh, you wanna be set free from worry? Well, I, I'm just a worrier, this is who I am. So, and actually worrying keeps me sharp. It makes sure I'm, I'm on my P's and Q's and I know what's going on. So, 
You know, that's just kind of how I live my life. And so we've made even that relative. And the fact of the matter is, is that the truth is absolutely absolute. The truth is the truth. And the truth is from the Word of God. And in the Word of God, it tells us that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. It tells us that we are called to live a life of freedom, that we're not called to live lives of, as slaves to sin, but actually slaves to righteousness. Amen. That we are to be slaves to the righteousness that God puts in us. That we're not slaves, we're not in bondage to the cravings that we have in our flesh. We're not in bondage to the tendencies we see in society and the pressures in society. We are slaves to righteousness. And this begs the question for us. If that's the case, if we are free, then why is freedom something that so many Christians struggle with? Why is it that Jesus came to set us free, came to give us this life that we know he came to give us, but yet even as a follower of Jesus, there's so many that are really stuck in bondage and in chains. Why is it? What, is it, what are we missing? Why are we captive to our fears and our lusts and our anxieties and our doubts and our selfishness and all those things that can hold us back? Why are we so captive to that if Jesus set us free? And if I'm free, why don't I feel free? Right? That's, that's a fair question. I think that's a question. Every Christian that is on this journey of wanting to live this spiritual freedom that Jesus came to give us, that's a question every one of us has probably asked ourselves and should ask. But I think there's answers for it. I think there's actually really good answers for it. I hope to help you with that today because it's a simple concept, but there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to the freedom that we have in Jesus. And I titled my message, A Call to Freedom, and I wanna give you some hard truths that I believe God would call us to to be free in our life. And the first one is that our choices keep us in bondage. Our choices keep us in bondage. Now that's pretty simple reasoning, right? I mean, you might say, well, you say I'm free, but man, I have such a strong pull towards these desires that I know are not of God. And the waves of anxiety that hit me, the waves of fear, the waves of all those other things that hit me, why are those things still there? They're still as big as ever. Why is that desire still so intense to make those choices if I'm actually free? Well, let me give you a real quick crude analogy that, that might help us understand. So let's say there's this guy that he, uh, he's just been a thief for a long, long time. He just likes to steal stuff. He doesn't like to work. He'd rather just try, if he wants something, he'd just rather try to take his chances at Target or Walmart or the mall or somewhere and just go in and steal it, right? And uh, he gets away with it for a long time, ends up trying to rob a bank and he gets caught. He goes to prison and he gets sentenced to prison for 20 years for armed robbery, okay? And he's in prison because of his choices that he made, right? And then all of a sudden this, the, a new governor comes in and he grants him clemency and he lets him off and lets him out of prison after just five years. So he only served five of his 20 years he's supposed to serve and he gets out of prison and he's a free man, right? Now let me ask you, if that person gets freed from prison after five years and has done everything that they said he did, does the desire to steal just go away when he gets out of prison? Probably not. The desire is still there. In fact, sometimes, a lot of times, they actually go back to do it again, right? The, what keeps someone in that situation from going back to a life of crime is not that the desire has gone away, but it's that the desire for freedom is stronger than the desire to fulfill my own urges. That's what keeps that person out of prison, out of bondage, is the desire for freedom. And that's exactly what it is for us. It's got to be that we desire freedom more than we desire to have those urges gratified in our life. That's where it starts, okay? This is I'm at the very starting point here. And so our choices actually will put us back in bondage. See, just because Jesus set us free doesn't mean we just automatically stay free. There's a lot of Christians that are all bound up. There's a lot of Christians in a lot of chains and a lot of cages and a lot of straitjackets and a lot of very difficult bondage in their life, addictions, and things like that. So being a Christian doesn't mean all of a sudden you're free. The freedom is there for you, but you still have to get it, and you still have to keep it. And our choices will actually put us back into that place of bondage. 
Which is interesting because many times we feel like, well, the urge is still there, the temptation is still there, the desire is still there, so we give into it and we make that bad choice and we're actually in this perpetual state of just ruining our own freedom. We're leaving our own freedom behind and we're choosing a life of bondage. We're choosing a life of living under tyranny, under a dictator. Because when we allow that into our life, we're giving place to the enemy and we are fodder for him to be able to impact our lives in ways that we can't even see because he's actually really smart and cunning and knows how to affect us in ways that we don't even realize it's him. Our choices that we make de determine our freedom. We want to feel free. We want the urge of wanting to get drunk to go away, the urge of wanting to lose your temper to go away, the urge of wanting to do everything selfish in the world. We want that urge to go away and because we don't necessarily feel it on the front end, we give in to those urges because we can't see the win because we don't even realize sometimes that we're just putting ourselves in greater bondage. Freedom is not a lack of temptation or stumbling. Freedom is not a lack of that. Listen, there's no perfect person. I said earlier, I'm as free as I've ever been in my life. I still make mistakes. I still sin. I still stumble. I ask the Lord to forgive me every day. Because I know, I know my heart. I know I'm not perfect. I know I make all kinds of mistakes. Freedom is not the fact that you'll never sin again. It's not the fact that you'll never make a mistake or you'll never have another temptation. Freedom is about when those things do happen, you don't allow yourself to embrace it. You don't go into that and jump in and dive in. When you make a mistake, you're quick to repent, which literally means to turn away and walk away from it. That's what freedom looks like. And the more we do that, the more freedom we experience in our life. Proverbs. 2416, it says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The godly may trip seven times. That's not a literal seven, okay? But they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Freedom is not the absence of temptation. It is getting up again when we fall. And too often we identify with the wicked in this verse because we have one mistake or we, we, we have the urge and we just can't say no to it. We continue to give in to that all the time and we're overthrown. And there's often, so often, a misunderstanding of what freedom actually looks like in our life. That's the part of the battle for us is knowing what it looks like. We, too often times, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, feeling like freedom should really look like calm waters. I mentioned last week when I was talking about more and the fact that you know, too often times we want our life to be like the lazy river on the inner tube when the reality is life is really a white water rapid, right? And we want it to be smooth with no issues, but even when it comes to freedom, freedom doesn't mean the water's gonna be smooth. It just means Jesus is gonna do it with you. You know, in Mark 4, you see the story of the disciples. They get on a boat with Jesus, and Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. And Jesus goes down in the stern and falls asleep. And the disciples are up top and a storm comes, the winds are raging, the waves are going crazy, and the disciples got to the place where they said, we're going to die. Now these are not some tourists getting on a boat. These guys were fishermen. They were accustomed to rough waters. So for them to think they were gonna die, it had to be pretty bad. And they go down, and you, most of you probably know the story, they go down and they find Jesus asleep on a pillow. <laughs> and they were actually upset with him that he was asleep. And see, we would like that story to be that, you know, Jesus got on the boat with these disciples, they went across the river or across the lake, and the water was like glass. And there was a rainbow off in the distance. And the sun was setting, and it was the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen in your life. And fish are jumping out of the water and waving to the guys as they jump. And everything's just perfect, and it's just beautiful. The reality is, when you get into a boat with Jesus, sometimes you're gonna get soaked. Sometimes you're gonna have issues. It's not necessarily going to be Perfect, and that's even how freedom looks in our life. So we have to get out of this mindset of thinking that if I'm really free, the sun sets me free, I'm free indeed. If I'm really free, then man, you know, things should just be easy. Like I should be able to just resist all the temptations in life effortlessly. That's not freedom. Now you may get to that place where it's not as difficult as it was, and, and I'll get to that in a minute actually, but it's not something where the temptation, we're still human beings, church. We're still humans with emotions and desires and flesh, and appetites, and cravings. We're still going to be that. So we gotta get out of that mindset and not be deceived into thinking that it's gonna look a way that it's not really gonna look. Another hard truth is that you may be a prisoner of your own cravings. 
I talked about a month ago about cravings and how damaging they can be in our life. And I was talking earlier about how, you know, for us, for so many of us, even freedom is something that can be relative. You know, like, oh, I just, I want freedom from the things I want freedom from, but there's some things, sins in my life that I'm actually okay with. This is really just an excuse for us to be able to do whatever we want. We've convinced ourselves we don't need freedom, but it makes us a prisoner of our own cravings. And cravings bully us. I shared this about a month ago. The cravings are an emotional thing inside of us. Appetite is real. It's you can actually be hungry, but when you're craving, you can crave something when you're completely full. Cravings are just emotional and they will bully us if we will let them. And they can actually cause us to be a prisoner of our own cravings. Proverbs 10:3 it says, "The Lord satisfies the appetite of the righteous, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked." Cravings are never uh, satisfied. Appetites can be, but cravings are never, ever satisfied. God promises us that our cravings won't be satisfied, but he tells us that our appetites will be. That word appetite in there actually means hunger. It's a legitimate hunger, but the word craving in here, it actually means a carnal desire. A neg it's got a negative connotation to it. And these things that we crave in our life can actually put us in bondage. Back in the 14th century in Belgium, uh, it, was a, it was a dukedom back then, it was called. It was, the, it was a duke that ruled the place. And the guy that ruled it, uh, his name was Crassus. That's what they called him. And uh, his brother Edward actually led a revolt and overthrew him and took over the, the, the kingdom, right? And uh, so, but instead of killing his brother, he, all he did was he put him in a room that had no windows and only had one doorway. And it was a fairly small doorway. That was all he had. And people came to Edward and said, man, you're being pretty cruel to your brother to lock him in this room, you know, by himself with nobody. He said, he's not locked in the room. There was no door on the doorway. It was just an opening. But the doorway was a little smaller than a normal doorway. And his brother was a very, very large man, morbidly obese, huge man. In fact, they said the doorway wasn't even much smaller than a normal one, and he still couldn't get through it. That tells you how big he actually was. And the brother said he can leave anytime he wants. All he's gotta do is get out of the room. But here's what the brother did. Every day, he sent his brother everything he loved to eat. Anything his brother desired was delivered to him immediately. All the treats, all the stuff that's not good for you, all the KFC, all of the Zaxby's, Chick-fil-A, he didn't do Chick-fil-A because that's Christian fish, or chicken. Uh, all of the bad stuff and all the desserts, Dairy Queen, whatever he wanted, any time of the day, all day through the night. He was in that room for 10 years because he could not resist his cravings. And we become prisoners to our own cravings in the spirit. We allow ourselves to be spiritually bound up because we continue to give in to those cravings. When the reality is we have to want our freedom more than we want the things we crave. That's the only time we're gonna experience the freedom, church. There's no quick fix, there's no magic wand. That's how you get freedom in your life is you have to want it more than you want those other things. And sometimes we're in bondage and we don't even know it. I, 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 I laugh every time I read John 8, and you probably heard this before too, but in John 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, some religious leaders, and it says in uh, verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Praise God, amen. The truth, not your truth and my truth, the truth will set you free. They answered him, this was some of the leaders, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Praise God. But what's so interesting about this verse is they responded to him by saying that we are Abraham's descendants. We are the Jews. We have never been in bondage to anyone. Now anyone that knows anything about their Bible knows that that it could not be further from the truth. I mean, just to name a few, they were in bondage in Egypt, in Moab, the Canaanites, the Philistines, Babylon, and while this was said, they were under Roman rule. <laughs> How clueless can you be? 
They've gotten so used to being in bondage, they didn't even realize that they were in bondage. They didn't even realize it. Now that's the, probably not across the board, but some of them got so accustomed to it, it became almost like this toxic comfort zone in their life. And we do it too, church. We allow these toxic comfort zones where we become institutionalized in our spiritual prison, where we don't even really want to get out. You've heard of prisoners that have been in prison for a long enough time, they become institutionalized, and when they can get released, they don't even want to get out because they don't know how to live outside of it. We do that in our spiritual bondage, where we live in our spiritual prison because it becomes a comfort zone for us. And you might think, oh, that's crazy. I don't do that. Okay. I'll just name a couple things that just off the top of my head that I thought of as I was preparing this to think, yeah, I mean, I can even see myself going down this road. Like, like okay, so um, you could be free from debt in your life, okay? Any, any one of us really has the capability of living debt-free. We don't have to have credit card debt. We don't have to have mortgage. We don't have to have car debt. We don't have to have those things if, if we follow certain systems, right? And we set a budget. But we also, we come to that place where we realize, well, if I'm gonna do this though, I'm gonna have to go without some of those things that I really, really want. So we don't really want to be debt-free as much as we want the things that we want. And I'm not, I'm not condemning debt, okay? Almost everybody in the United States has debt now to some degree. But I'm talking about like having this overwhelming, crushing debt where we can't seem to get ahead, where we're actually in bondage, into materialism, into whatever it is that's, that's coming with that. And we could be free if we would set a budget and stick to it, but we actually decide, no, I'm not gonna do that. We are more comfortable in our bondage. We're more comfortable in our prison so to speak, than we are really wanting to get out. We become institutionalized. Or you could see where you could say, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with, you know, a, a, many men struggle with looking at things on TV and on computer they shouldn't look at, right? And it's, it's easy, the, the, the idea to get free from that is not very difficult. Get an accountability partner that can see whatever you're looking at and be accountable to that person, set it up, and make sure you're dealing with it. Many men say, no, I don't wanna do that, that's weird. That's awkward. I don't want anybody knowing. Like, I'm just, I'll deal with it myself, when in reality, you're just saying, I'm just gonna stay in this prison of lust and not deal with it, because doing something different would, it'd be weird, it'd be hard, and I don't really wanna do that. So we get institutionalized in our bondage and don't even really want out Unless God were just to completely take the desire away. God, take them my desire away from all this stuff so that I don't even want this anymore. And he's just not answering my prayer. He's not doing it because that's not how he does it. Does it ever happen? Yes. I've heard of people delivered from alcohol and, and all kinds of things on the spot. But church, for the most part, those are, those are very uh, extreme situations. For the most part, it is about us making choices to walk in the freedom that God has given us and to make sure that we want it more than we want those things in our life. 1 Peter 2, verses 5 to 15 to 16, it says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men and women and children. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Don't say I'm free, but I'm just going to allow these other things in my life. He's saying live as free men. Do good. It is God's will for you to do good. To live according to his plan for your life, his purposes, to get the victory that you need in your life. And if we're not living, if we're not pursuing that, we're living contrary to what God has called for us in our life. This is not optional, church. We don't get to choose where we want freedom and where we're just okay with not being free. We are to be completely free from anything that can enslave us. That's his heart for us. And that's what he paid for for us to bring into our life. Another hard truth is that freedom is directly proportional to spiritual growth. Now this is where the, uh, the feelings are gonna come in. We talked about wanting to feel like we're free. I wanna tell you today that as we grow in our spiritual relationship with Jesus. As we grow in our faith, our freedom grows. Our freedom grows with us as we grow. Did you know that? It's not the other way around. We don't get free first and now I can grow. 
We, are, we get free as we grow in our faith. And our feelings, the urges, the, the strong pulls into that bondage start to lessen in our life as we grow in our faith. Because here's the deal. Growth is not guaranteed in our life. We can stay shallow for a long, long time in our faith. We can stay shallow our whole life in our faith. Growth is not guaranteed, but if we're not growing, how do we expect to really live out the freedom that Jesus came to bring us? Because it's not a magic potion, it's not a, it's not a wand, it's not just a simple prayer, it's a lifestyle that we have to live in our life. And what it comes down to, church, is that we have to fight for our faith. We have to fight for our faith. Your faith is a fight. There are forces fighting against you in your faith every second of every day. There are strong forces that you can't even see that hate the fact that you have faith in Jesus. And you have to be willing to fight for your faith and you have to fight for your freedom. You have to stand and fight for your freedom. Galatians 5.1 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So we know why he set us free? So that we'd be free. <laughs> How novel is that? That's why he set us free. Stand firm then. Everyone say, stand firm then. Stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. That phrase in the Greek is the word stako. It's a weird word. But it's the word stako. And it means to persevere, to persist. That it is a lifestyle of standing firm. Every day in your faith is about standing firm so that you will not be burdened again by the bondage, the spiritual bondage that the enemy would want to bring into your life. It's a very simple concept. We have to fight for our faith. You know, Jesus came to bring the freedom that we have, but you know what? When he brought freedom for all of his followers, do you know he did not eradicate spiritual slavery? He didn't eradicate it. It's actually very, very prevalent in the world today. There are oodles and oodles of Christians that are in spiritual slavery in their life, in spiritual bondage, in bondage to things that we know we don't want, but we can't get out of our life. So Jesus doing what he did, did not eradicate that bondage, he just made a way out of it. So we have to stand firm in our faith to stand up against the bondage that's constantly wanting to come up against us and hit us and smack us in the face and cause us to stumble and fall to the point to where we just give up, which is what many do. Just give up, either walk away from the faith or just kind of fake it, you know? Kind of come to church, but don't, don't let anybody see anything about yourself because you know if they did, they'd see the bondage you're living in, but kind of feel better if you at least come to a church on a Sunday sometimes but you're really living in bondage, that's not what Jesus came to do for you. I mean, and if that's you, I'm glad you're here, but I don't want you just to be here just so you can feel good about yourself. I want you to be here so you can experience the freedom that Jesus came to give you so that you can live it out in your life. Amen. That's why we're here. That is exactly why we are doing what we're doing. And it is a process in our life. I know we don't like processes. We like stuff to happen quick. We're in a society now where Man, if you gotta wait more than two days for a package to come in the mail, we start throwing a crazy fit. We don't like processes. I want instant. I want everything now. But let me tell you, this walk of faith is a process. We talk about next steps here all the time at New Hope, and it's not because we want you to climb this New Hope ladder to get somewhere where we can put you like a trophy in a case for us. We talk about next steps because that is what the Christian life is. It is about constantly taking next steps in your faith and growing and, and growing in your faith, growing in your relationship with Jesus. Second Corinthians three, verses 17 and 18, it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. That is a present tense verb there. We are being transformed. He didn't say you've been transformed, so just sit back and sip your tea and enjoy it. You're being transformed into his likeness, praise God, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
That's the truth of God's word right there, church. It is a process. It is something where, you know what? If you make a mistake and you stumble and fall, you get back up and you take your next step. You step forward in faith. This is a faith that we, we live out with fear and trembling. We work out our salvation. We live this life in such a way that we are to be growing in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, we grow in our freedom. It's really that simple. We should be freer than we were a year ago. If you are growing in your faith, you should be freer than you were a year ago in your life. And if you would say, if you think back to a year ago, last July 4th, and you think, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I haven't grown in my faith in the last year very much at all. Well, then I can tell you you're probably not any freer. And if you go back a couple years and think, yeah, I haven't really grown in the last two years. Or I haven't really grown in freedom in, in the last two years. Well, then I can tell you you're probably not growing in your faith. And I don't say that judgmentally. It's just a fact. It's just what I know from the way God works in our life. If we're not growing in freedom, if we're not getting freer in our life, then we're not growing in our faith. Because as we grow closer to him, it's something that's very difficult to put into words, but he just, he just helps us. His spirit in us empowers us to live more and more, to be transformed more and more into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. This is not about works. This is not about trying to look the part. This is about actually becoming more like him, not looking more like him, but actually having more of his heart. He says, I will give you a new heart. He's transforming us. He's making us more like him, but we have to do our part to grow, to stand firm in this faith so that we can experience the freedom that he gave to, get, to bring us. Freedom gives us hope for tomorrow. As long as, we have, as long as we know that we have freedom, there's always hope. And I wanna to speak to some of you today because I know that some of us, that our yesterday is affecting our freedom today. Because you have something from yesterday that you just, you just can't seem to let go, get over, forgive yourself for, whatever it is, something from the past, whether it was 10 years ago, five years ago, or last week, or this morning, something from your yesterday is keeping you from being able to be free today. And that's exactly what your enemy wants. He wants your past to be used against you. But can I tell you today, the only power your past has is the power you give it. It's the only power it has. Because when you understand atonement, when you understand what that really is, that Jesus actually took our place, that he actually paid for our sins, all the sins, that he actually took them and wiped our slate clean and forgives us, and when he forgives, he separates as far as the east is from the west. It's an infinite amount of separation that you can't even see it anymore. You can't even bring it back up to God because he doesn't even, he chooses not to remember what it even is. But yet we will allow it to keep us from really being free because we live condemned, we live guilty, we think, you know, I gotta feel bad about it because if I, feel, if I feel bad, I probably won't do it again, which is a lie from the pit of hell. That's not what it's about. It's about being able to accept the forgiveness that God gives, whether the, there's other people involved and they won't forgive you, you can't control that. But you can control whether or not you receive God's forgiveness because it's always there. There's never a time where he says, I've forgiven you too many times for that. You, you've met your quota and you're over it. Amen. He doesn't do that. So no matter what it is, don't let your past keep you from being free today. Yeah, don't let it do it because only one that can give it the power to do that is you. From now on, praise God, from now on, we're gonna be free because of what Jesus did. Tomorrow, yesterday is yesterday. Nothing you can do about it. Nobody has a time machine. Nobody can go back. There's nothing we can do about yesterday. What we can do about is today to prepare ourselves for tomorrow to walk in the freedom he has. And fourth and finally, the hard truth is that freedom is not just for you. And I know those of you that come here frequently are probably going, oh my gosh, here he goes again. It's not just for me, I'm not the center of my world, I get it, my life is for somebody else. <laughs> I'm bored with myself even. Uh, but I will always, always, always have this message in my heart that everything that has to do with God in our life, every aspect of the character of God, the blessings of God, the life of faith, every aspect of it 
that it's not just for us. Amen. None of it is just for you. Right. Nothing in your, your, your very salvation is not just for you. Now, it's not, not about you at all. It's just not just for you. Right. We are called to build the kingdom of God. We are called to be part of helping to build the kingdom of God, to be his hands and feet, to be the salt of the earth, as the Bible says. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt is only good if it's being used for other things. Salt sitting in a bag in a pantry is doing nothing. Salt is meant to be for others, for other things, not just you. And when we're talking about freedom today and we want freedom in our life, I can tell you, on the authority of God's word, that if you are just wanting freedom for yourself because how it will help you and how it will help make you feel, then you are probably restricting even the freedom that God can bring into your life because it's not just for you. Even your freedom is not just for you. It is to help set others free. And I can tell you today, church, there are so many things we miss out on in our relationship with Jesus because we are wanting the things for ourselves. We miss out on blessing, we miss out on increase, we miss out on healthy relationships, we miss out on emotional healing, and we miss out on freedom because we just want it for ourselves. Yes. And let me tell you, you can fool others into making them think you want it for other people too, but you can't fool God. Right. He knows our heart. Right. And he knows what we want and why we want what we want. And so, none of us has that fully figured out. I am, God has me on a very, very short leash especially lately, where if there's anything, and I mean it can be anything that I am praying for or asking God for, it doesn't have to be freedom, it can be literally anything, I am quickly, quickly reminded every time, this better not be just for you. It better not be just for you. And just for you and joy doesn't count either because that's a blessing for you too. That helps a little, but it's not just for you and your wife. It's not just for you. The, the, the prayers I have for new hope, if it's about me so I can feel good about myself, I'm wasting my breath. I am always, when I pray for this church, it is always, God, this is about you. I just want to see your kingdom come. That's what I want. And he knows my heart. He knows my heart. And so I believe he honors that. And when I get in those places where I want what I want for the church, but it's really about me, I'm quickly convicted of it. And that's where we need to be in our life. That when we're just wanting something for ourselves that we are quickly, quickly convicted. Because even your freedom, he sets us free to help set other people free. He set me free to help set you free. I believe it with all my heart. Because God is looking for good stewards that will take what he has given to them and let it flow out of us. We are meant to be a vessel. We are meant to be a conduit for everything that God brings into our life. It is meant to be a conduit. We are not a reservoir where we could just fill up. We are a conduit where it comes in and flows through. Yeah. Everything. There's not one thing in your life, in your faith, that's just for you. Yeah. Not one single thing. It's all meant to glorify him. In fact, my verse, my text verse, the very end of verse three in my text, I'm gonna read it again. It says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. This is us that walk into this freedom that Jesus has for us. A planting of the Lord for the display his splendor. You will find that all through the word, a lot. When God starts talking about what he's gonna do for us, it always comes back to him. The heart of it is always for him. God is about himself first. He's about glorifying his name. He is about honoring and exalting himself. And if you get to reap benefits from that, that's good. But he's about himself. He wants us to be the display of his splendor. We are his trophies. That's a good thing. We're not just sitting in a trophy case, but we are his trophies. We are a representation of his splendor. His freedom that comes into us is a representation of his splendor as it flows out to others. That's his plan for each and every one of us. One more verse I wanna read and I'll close. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. Ha! So Paul's saying that our freedom is about serving others. Do not use your freedom. I, I can reword it without doing violence to it. Use your freedom to serve one another in love, is what Paul's saying there. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, I don't know how that looks for you. I know how it looks for me. But what I know is that our freedom is not just for us. We get to reap the benefits of it. Praise God for that. But it is also to be a blessing to others. And when we miss that, we miss out on some of the freedom God wants to bring in our life. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I want us to pray today. I want to invite you to the altar. And listen, I know when, it when you start talking about freedom and, and responding to an altar, people start thinking, oh, I don't want to do that because then people will know, I'm, you know I've got issues in my life. <laughs> Let me, I'll, just, I'll save you the trouble. From this corner all the way around to that corner, I believe all of you have issues, okay? Including the dude on the stage, all right? So none of us have this figured out. And just because we're talking about bondage, we're talking about being captive, it doesn't mean we're, we're in the dark, seedy places in the back alley stuff. Let me tell you, if you just have an issue with your anger, if you have road rage, you are in bondage to anger. I, I'm sorry, Christians with road rage, I do not get it, guys. It's a car. Unless you almost died, I don't get it. Somebody cuts you off and it makes you mad. I mean, I get that feeling in my heart when I, somebody does that to me and I'm like, but to like yell at someone, give them the bird, do crazy, I just don't get it. If that's you, you're in bondage to anger, okay? So we can be in bondage to all kinds of things, of worry, of anxiety, of doubt, selfishness, lust, materialism. So it's so hard in this country not to be in bondage to materialism. We all deal with that. So I want us to respond. I, I, there's nothing special about the front of this stage. There's no special anointing up here, but there's something about us responding to the word of God and saying, God, I wanna be free in my life. I think we all can go to another level of freedom in our life. So I wanna invite you up here today. Come on up, let's pray together. Let's ask God to take us to another level of freedom in this life for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, church. That verse is so powerful because you know where the Spirit of the Lord is? If you're a follower of Jesus, <laughs> he's in you. So if the Spirit of the Lord is in you, then you're free. And I said, well, I don't feel free. Well, good, that's what we're talking about. Making choices, recognizing what freedom really looks like, living it out in our life, wanting freedom more than we want to satisfy the, the desires of the flesh. And I'm not gonna stand up here all sanctimonious and act like, oh, I always want freedom more than I want the desires of my flesh. I don't. There's times I definitely want to give in to the desires of the flesh. There's times I do. So it's not about being perfect, but it's about when we do step outside of that, we step into the flesh, that we are quick to jump back out of it. Repenting literally means turning around and going the other way. Though a godly person stumbles seven times, he gets back up. It's not about perfection. It's about where your heart is and where your commitment is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that your word is good. Your word brings life into our dry bones. Your word sustains us. Your word takes us from death to life. It takes us from bondage to freedom. God, I thank you today that where your spirit is, that we are free. I thank you that every one of us that calls upon the name of Jesus, every one of us that lives our life for you, we are free. The fact is that we are free, but Lord, living it out, you know it's a challenge. God, would you help us? Help us to want freedom more than we want to gratify the flesh. God, would you help us to want freedom, not just for ourselves, but for others in our life, so that we can be salt. God, that it would be the cry of our heart that I wanna be free because I want to be able to be effective for the people you put in my life. That that would be a part of the freedom that you bring for us. God, help us to make good choices. Help us to choose you. Help us to choose freedom. And God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our faith, Lord. That God, that we would not look back again and say, yeah, I haven't really grown. We would say from now on, if whatever we gotta change in our life, if I gotta get some people out of my life that are causing me not to grow, if I gotta get some habits out of my life that are keeping me from growing in you, whatever those things are, Lord, from now on, we wanna make the decision to grow. Because we know, according to your word, that as we grow in our faith, we become more like you and we become freer. Lord, we wanna be freer. 
We wanna be freer tomorrow than we are today and freer the next day than we were that day. That we would continue to grow in our freedom and in our relationship with you. I pray that for every person at this altar today, God. You're a blessing, you're anointing. We thank you that the chains are broken off of our life, God. We thank you for it today. And Father, whatever lies the enemy has spoken to any of us, Lord, we, we rebuke those lies. We expose them for what they are. They are a tool of the enemy. And God, we replace it with the truth of who you are that says that we are forgiven, we are whole, we are free, we are children of the King. And we can stand on that and know that nobody can separate us from your love. Nobody can remove us from you. Our past is exactly that, it is the past. And we leave it in the past, in the name of Jesus. We silence the enemy over every mind in this house today, God, that he would not be able to just remind them about their past, that we are not in condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you today that your word is crystal clear, that when we confess our sins, when we confess the things of the past, no matter if it was 10 minutes ago or 50 years ago, that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and it is your justice to cleanse us and to forgive us. So we stand on that today, Lord. It's not you looking the other way. It is actually you being just because of what you did. And we thank you for it today. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for a clean slate. We thank you for freedom. And we declare today that we're going to walk in your freedom and we're going to be freer tomorrow than we were today. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Let's praise God together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy, Jesus. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our praise. We thank God for his freedom today. Amen. Thank you, God. Before you leave, I want to do, I do want to mention one more thing. So you can go back to your seats, but I do want to mention something. I would be remiss if I did not mention for those of you that are here today or if you're watching online and you do not know Jesus, you, you are my heart. Um, I didn't know how much my heart was for people far from God until I started pastoring. I always kind of felt like that was kind of my heart, but I always kind of felt to pastoral ministry too. And, uh, you know, not that they can't coexist, but, you know, usually you're either an evangelist or you're a pastor and you have a pastor's heart or, and going into the pastoral ministry, I realized, man, my heart is so for people that are far from God. And if that's you today, if you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about. I've never experienced the freedom that he gives. I don't even for a second believe that you're here by coincidence or accident. I believe God ordains our steps even when we're far from him. That he can guide us into a place where we can meet him. So I want to encourage you today. If you're here and you don't know him, I believe you're here because he wants you to know him. And I believe you're here because he wants you to be able to make that commitment to him today. And it's very simple, it's, it's not a complicated thing. It's about understanding that you're a sinner, which we all are, but you're in need of a savior. And when we step from sinner into having taken a savior, we become a child of God. And the Bible says our name is written in the Lamb's book and we become part of his family if we believe that he is who he says he is, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead for our sins and that is where the forgiveness comes from. That's the atonement that he paid for each one of us. So you don't have to say some big lengthy prayer. It's just about saying, God, I just need you to forgive me my sins and I wanna live my life for you. That's really what it boils down to. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that we will be saved. So don't leave today without making that decision. 